Welcome along to another episode of the Football Funders podcast brought to you in association with the beautiful people at Let Us Talk Mental Health. You can follow them on Twitter at Let Us Talk underscore MH. And uh, you can just see Dan there again in his lovely blue top, still not doing much, just standing on the sidelines trying to look pretty, really. Dan has joined us fresh from, well, I say fresh, it's not fresh very fresh. The word. <laughs> fresh from the, uh, a trip to Old Trafford where Manchester United played Charlton. And uh, how are you feeling, Dan? Because you didn't arrive till about five o'clock this morning because there were no trains. Uh, I'm very tired. Um, I managed to get about five hours kit before downstairs decided it was time to do some drilling, uh, which so thanks to them for that. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a very good journey up there. We were having a laugh and enjoying ourselves. And obviously the way back, we didn't get back to London till five. So by about two o'clock, became a bit of a struggle for the for the travelling crew. We had one member who was still bright and breezy, which was a bit unfortunate for the rest of us. Did you come back by coach? No. Um, so one of my friends luckily drove. Oh, wow. Um, I was going to say, because there was no trains. Across the road from Old Trafford, which was handy. Um, so we pre-booked, so we paid about 15 quid or whatever it was to go to this car park. So we did that. Um, but yeah, no trains. So 9,000 Charlton fans either going up there during the day or by coach or driving. Um, the roads out of Manchester were packed. So... You know, the home fans had to get home as well at the end of the day. And how was the match? Talk us through it. I followed it on the radio, but uh, um, obviously uh, they didn't put it on TV, so we couldn't bring you the content we wanted to bring you originally. I think that was Charlton's probably their best performance of the season. Uh, by a long one. 3-0, it flattered United. Obviously, listen, United bring on the three subs they make. There's nothing that any Charlton player can do to counter Casemiro, Eriksen and Rashford. But even then, you know, the second half, in large portions, we you, we were playing with the ball. In the first half, United dominated. I think we looked really nervous uh, and were defending. You know, we sat back and let Man United have the ball. I'll get on to a minute, um, kind of, yeah, the general about players that I thought... I changed my mind on a Man United player, but we'll get there. I was quite impressed with... Our shape that we held in the first half, we just didn't... The goal, Anthony's goals, I don't know if you've seen, Anthony's goal is a sensational finish. Cuts in on his left and whips one in. We had a few half chances. Uh, the ref was appalling for both teams, to be honest. Like, as much as I'd like to sit here and say he was crap for Jolton, he was crap for Man United as well. Uh, he missed some quite clear fouls. He, he kind of let the game run when he shouldn't have and then stopped the ones he should. He should. Like, it, it didn't make sense. So... Yeah, no, we played really well. We had a few half chances. Uh, Miles Leeburn was terrorising Martinez, obviously physically, because, well, Miles Leeburn's huge. George Dobson nutmegged Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay. George Dobson's found his level. Where whatever Man United's level is, that's George Dobson's. Yeah, I mean, they, everyone put on a really good show. I'm a bit concerned that some of the youngsters put on a bit too much of a good show. <laughs> And I don't know if there'll be teams watching from Premier League Championship that all want to like sign the likes of Lee Byrne and Lucas Ness. Uh, it was just, yeah, it was just a really good performance. Our keeper made some fantastic saves. And obviously we were gunning for an equaliser late on. Rashford scores the second. But I've got to admit, if you haven't seen the goals yet, Ryan, United's second goal is a 60-yard ping from Casemiro that is on the floor. Yeah. He just <laughs> pinged it through our defence. 
off to Rashford. It's one of those moments where you kick the ball and everyone in the stadium just went, yep. <laughs> and then the third one, again, we just got counted. We were trying to get a goal. I was so proud that we didn't just go to Man United and just defend. The conversation we were having in the car is, can we at least like, try like counter them? And we did that a lot. We were unlucky that the final ball wasn't great or couldn't quite get the space for us. Uh, but it, I got a new, I don't know, what's the right word? Seeing Man United players in person, I've changed my mind on a player, some players and haven't on others. I'll start with Fred. Fred's positioning skills are unreal. Every time Man United attacked, Fred opened the gate, the gap. Even if he wasn't on the ball, his runs and his positioning is so good. He's crap on the ball, don't get me wrong. Off the ball, Fred's movement, especially, so he, I don't know if it's something that he does, I don't see Fred a lot. I don't watch United as much as I used to. Fred's spent a lot of time playing, almost hovering on the left, playing in between Alanga, who was playing up front, who was god-awful. Well, to be um, fair to Alanga, he's not a, a striker. So. Yeah, but you're playing League One. And Ganacho on the left. And Fred kept picking up space, which allowed Ganacho to create space to move in. So he, I was really impressed with Anthony. You can tell the class on Anthony straight away. He's just, he's just good, isn't he? Yes, uh, it's, there's so much talent there. I think it's still a lot of raw potential at the moment, but there is so much potential it's, there. It's, it's, it's there. Um, Ganacho is the same. The one thing I'd say about Ganacho is he should have had that trick in the first half. He missed some chitters um, because he was skinning. Early on, he was skinning Sean Clare for days, but in the second half, he quieted down a bit because I think we changed the way we played a little. But yes, Fred really improved, impressed me. His spatial awareness, I guess, just really impressive. And the way that he creates movement. Malassia got rinsed by a League One winger time and time again, which is probably concerning for Malassia. He looks, Malassia, I don't know if it was just, I don't know. He looked really nervous, uh, especially off the ball. On the ball, he's fine. But off the ball, he looked a bit dodgy. I don't know if that's maybe why Luke Shaw's been given the nod the last kind of month or two. Malassia just doesn't look comfortable defending, especially pace. We've got quick wingers, but I feel against League One wingers, just stand them up. But yeah, that's that's that. Scott McTominay is awful. I don't know what level he's supposed to be a footballer at because I'm, I've, I know Ryan defends him a lot on this podcast and I thought I maybe, I watched the first 20 minutes of Fred and thought, okay, maybe I'll get a new look at Scott McTominay. No, he got bitched by George Dobson and Scott Fraser. I'm sorry, just not good. I felt Martinez, you can see how good Martinez was on the ball. I would like him to stay on his feet. He does have legs. He might be small. But if every time someone touches him and he falls to the floor, he's a fanny. Like that, He jumped with Miles Lieburn and the ref would give him a foul every time. And I'd be like, well, one's five foot seven and the other's six three. So, yeah. I he's mean, a big unit, to be fair, Miles like, what, do you, what do you want Lieburn to do? Like, just not jump with him. But, yeah, no, Malassia was not great. Dallow obviously got injured. Wan-Bissaka got abused by some Charlton fans. I'll admit that. Yes, there it was, came through very clearly on the radio. There was a few songs about his uh, footballing origins, shall we say? But obviously, for anybody who's listening, he came from Crystal Palace and Crystal Palace and um, Tottenham. Um, aren't we great reminded, friends, but we reminded I, him. Yes, but we'll just point out the hypocrisy from Charlton Athletic fans just on this one occasion that they've got. Yeah, I, I know what you're going to say, and I don't agree. They've got a Crystal Palace player in their squad right now called Rags Hackey. But what, but what shirt does he wear? Yeah, exactly. He's in a Charlton shirt. So yeah, it's okay as long as you're in a Charlton shirt. But if you're not in a Charlton I, shirt, you get abuse. 
Indeed. And that's the Charlton fan seeing Raksaki is a red. He hates Palace. So therefore, he hates Palace. It's the same delusion that makes Charlton fans think that Ruth Vanistro is a Charlton fan. No, it's not. That one's bollocks. It's just that Raksaki plays a job. <laughs> Puts on a red shirt. I'm happy to admit the other one's bollocks. I must admit, listening to it, it sounded for the first about 15 minutes like Charlton were really under pressure. Oh, we were getting togged. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, it was. I don't know if it was just you withdrew your wingers a little bit and closed the space because I was listening and Harry Maguire, by all accounts, was pinging balls left to we right were, into the wingers yeah, we, and you were getting We were rinsed. sitting really narrow. And trying to, we what we were basically saying to United is you can have the ball wide because we're going to have you physically in the box. Mm. In the first kind of 15, 20 minutes, there was a lot of United trying to be clever, get in the box and then dink crosses across. Where actually, with our two centre-backs, Ryan Innes and Lucas Ness, their strength is, their strength. We'll just point but, out that this was not a full-strength Manchester United side either. There was a lot of... No, of course not. Squad players, young players that have been in and around it. Alanga started up front out of position. I can't pronounce the other guy. Manu. Manu, they said. They said Manu, they I can't Manu. pronounce. Is it Kobe, I think it is? Yeah. Um, he, is it, he's a young lad was from anonymous. the reserves. Garnacho, obviously, uh, is another young talent. And who is it? It was Anthony who started out on the right. The central Anthony midfield started pairing. on the left. Yeah. Right, sorry, yeah. The midfield pairing was Fred and McTominay, as Dan's just discussed. McFred? And the back four, I think, Dallow, Dallow, Malassia, Martinez, Maguire. And Tom Heaton started in goal. That tells you how understrength this Manchester United side was. Tom Heaton's about 35 and is our emergency backup goalkeeper. Game completely changed, obviously, when you brought on Ericsson, Casemiro, and Rashford because the counter attack, the way that United counter attacked, was quite slow at first. Mm. It seemed to be like we'll get the ball out to Anthony, and then we'll try and play off Anthony. Yeah, which obviously we were clocked onto. So our right back was Sean Clare was attached to Anthony's ass. Or your left back? Oh no, yeah. left back. So Seth Sess was attached to his ass, and we were putting Dobson over. Dobson was sensational again. So he won't be a chance very long. He's so good. And he nutmegged to Maguire and Scott McTominay. So that was the plan. And when he came off, obviously, Casemiro is, doesn't run, doesn't need to. But he's sent, like, just whenever Casemiro gets the ball, you can see all the United players just go, we're off, see you later. Yes. He's going to find you. It doesn't matter where he hit one. Like, he got the ball in the corner flag and we pressed him and he hit this ping to, across to Malassia. He wasn't even looking. Yeah. And it just flew straight to his feet. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I think, to be honest, I think Casemiro is arguably the best midfielder we've had since Roy Keane. Uh, that says a lot, but he's, he's right up good. there. He, he reminds but, me very much of a younger Roy Keane because as Roy Keane got older, he sort of settled into a holding midfield role. But when he was younger, he was like all action nonstop. And that's what Casemiro seems to have become. I noticed with McTominay, he's very. I don't know what the correct, correct term is. Doesn't move much. No, he's not just, But even defensively, he didn't do anything. Like we almost looked like we were picking on him. Like our attacks were going through Fraser and Albie driving at McTominay. Right. And then getting the ball wide to get crosses in. Because there was the amount of times that McTominay would get dragged to one side 
And then like our wing back, we were almost playing like underneath. Mm. So like Dobson would drive with the ball, McTominay would bite, then the left back would come inside or the right back would come inside to pick up the ball and then play from there. Yeah. McTominay, I don't know, he just, he, I, I wasn't impressed. Where Fred, as I said, I saw a different side to Fred's game. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I was quite impressed with Fred Maguire's passing. By the way, Maguire's defender, you know, obviously can be a bit suspect. Harry Maguire's passing is very, very good. I think that's why he always shined in a back three with England because he was sort of more free from his defensive duties and he could play out from the back. I think that's why a lot of people compared him to Rio Ferdinand in his early days. Unfortunately, he's not half the defender that Rio Ferdinand was. No, Ra- Rashford's pace is scary. But yeah, Anthony was the one when you got the ball. Like a rest, a lot of the team that started the game, you could see as you said they were backups and didn't have the that kind of ability, natural ability. Yep. I'd say obviously Fred's positioning skills, Martinez and Maguire on the ball, Anthony everywhere. You could see it in Garnacho. You could just tell it's very raw. There was a few times where Garnacho got into a good position. Yeah. And then kind of went, oh, I don't know what to do now. He he will get there. He's only eighteen. He'll get there. He's so forget. he's so good. Because there's a, there's a time where he like cuts in on his left, and then he cuts back in on his right, and he's doing like that fake step. Yeah. And I think everyone thinks, oh, he's trying to do a skill, and I was like, I think he's just trying to work out what to do. <laughs> I think he, I think it's half and half. I think he's kind of trying to feign something, but then he's not sure what he's trying to feign. I think- I think he's trying I mean? to get the defender to make the mind up for him, basically. Yeah, I think it was. The idea was, if, if I can sell you, then you tell me what to do by what you sold me. Yeah, but I obviously, we to be fair to Dean Holden, he obviously done his homework because our defenders stood up to to not to and not too much to Anthony to start with, but we did obviously after he scored. But to Ganacho is made. They made the good thing about what Charlton did is I think they made it a physical game, but we still played football. Right. So when United were on the attack, like if t- uh, we get into him, like you know, if Ganacho was on the ball, we'd go into him, not like a hard tackle, but they'd give him a shoulder and an elbow and say, "Come on in, we're we're going to have a battle with you." He's quite Lee a Bur- slight young lad as well, to be yeah, fair. Leeburn versus Maguire was fun. That was a fun little battle because obviously Slabed's not small. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we brought on Jane Stockley and a waste of time. But yeah, no, very, really proud of. The, the club. Uh, I'm really happy for Dean Holden because he's a Man United season ticket holder and he lost his mum and his daughter in the last few years. Oh, blimey. Um, so, I think it was quite a nice family day for him. Obviously, his parent, his dad, and I think his, one of his siblings has a season ticket there. He had like 30 family members there. He took a picture of his mum in the changing room with him. Um, so, it was probably a very nice day for him. And we're seeing Dean Holden's style of play and the difference between him and Ben Garner shine through already. I don't think we... And the big thing for me, and this might sound silly, the players and him, they came out and were like, we're disappointed to lose. I think a month ago, under Ben Garner, it's, we didn't get smashed. Yeah. I think that's a very key difference, how we were doing things. The guy that Dean Holden came out and said, we, we played football, we tried. You know, we're proud of it rather than coming out and saying, well, I'm not where Ben Garner's doing that these players aren't good enough, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think Holden was saying, come on. I think it's more a case of now you're playing football within your players' abilities. Precisely. Whereas Ben Garner was trying to play 
It's like... Ben Garner was trying to play Man United football. That's what he was, was trying to do. He's trying was, to play the top level. Like he was trying to play Pep Guardiola's style of football while managing Burnley. You know, it's just not yeah. going to happen because you don't have the players That's exactly to do what it. he's doing. He's trying to play out from the back. Ben Garner's got a very... Uh, ben Garner. Dean Holden system. And the one thing that I was shocked with was that we sticked with a 4-2-3-1. Mm. I was convinced we'd go five at the back because you play Man United. He stuck to his 4-2-3-1. And as I said, it worked because he's allowed Scott Fraser to have this role. So basically says to Fraser, Dobbo's behind you. Do what you please. Just trap back, basically. When we're going forward, do what you want. But when we're defending, you join in. And, and it's worked so well for Scott Fraser because he looks a completely different player. And even yesterday, picking up the ball, driving at United, a month ago, he wouldn't have done that. And I think... I don't think there's a point in playing three at the back against Manchester United because whether it's Martial or whether it's someone playing out of position, there isn't a a genuine centre-forward that's going to stay up there at Manchester United and put pressure on your defence. So I don't think you really needed to go to to three at the back because who were they going to mark? Well, got I think the idea, of the, the idea of the three, isn't it, that it stops, it's supposed that, so that you can double up on... The inside forwards. That's the idea of the three mm. in the back. But uh, we didn't do it, which was really good. And as I just said, like, great. I said on Facebook, you know, it was a great day for a fans of a club that is in a dark patch. I think it shows people what the club can be from a fan base wise. Basically, our average home attendance is about 12,000 and we took just under 10. Yes, it was very so, impressive. And by the sound of it, I hadn't heard the sound of it on the radio. You could hear us quite clearly. Quite clearly, yes. Um, and particularly a song about Mason Greenwood. Yes, um, we're not going to go into that one. We um, won't. But there was a few. <laughs> Mason the, Greenwood's got a few. Rendi- we did just, give a rendition of Ur Cantona. Is that helped? Yeah. <laughs> I heard um, on the radio that Facundo Palestri came on and had quite a good cameo. Yeah, but came on with about ten minutes left. Obviously, our players are knackered because that pitch is massive. Yeah, it's enormous at Old Trafford. Um, and he's and he's rapid. <laughs> And I think you could see him come on and I looked at Sean Clare, his head just went, oh, for fuck's sake. I've just spent 80 minutes chasing Ganacho. Do you really have to bring him on? <laughs> well, to be fair to Facundo Palestri, he hasn't had much of a look in yet. That was actually his debut and he's been with us for about two years. He got he so... got a welcome though. Because <laughs> again, Casemiro just pinged one down the line and he's one-on-one with uh, our young centre-back, Lucas Ness. Lucas Ness is a bit, he's at, he's before, he's, Bit of like a 90 centre back. He's a big guy, just wants to smash people. Yeah. He's like Ryan Innes, but with ability. And um, <laughs> sorry, it's just true. Palestri was gone, and you could see like Palestri was getting excited when he got this ball. And all of a sudden, you just see this body just come screaming across him. Got the ball, but got, Palestri just went flying. All the Man United fans went, ooh. All the Charlton fans went, yeah. <laughs> I can have him. It was one of those moments. And he, to be fair, Man United fans were really. Um, what's the word? Respectful. Respectful and said really nice things about the team, which is, you know, that's all we wanted. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. The result was Don't disgrace yourself. Yeah, I said to Josh before we got there, my, my brother, I was on the podcast so people know who he is. If we go up and put a good account of ourselves, that's all I'm asked. And as I said, we considered two goals in injury time. In four so minutes, yeah. I don't really see that as a, a negative. I actually see that as well done. Because even though... People, Man United, it's not something like Man United fans were saying, like, oh, but we, you've played our backups. So, yeah, your backups are still much better than our first team. 
So I was proud. We we got nice mentions from the fan, like the fact the Man United fans were really nice about our fans. I didn't see any problems, so that was, I was concerned that there'll be a few. When you take in ten thousand fans, I thought maybe it would be one or two knobheads, but I think by all accounts, Tottenham are quite a well-behaved bunch, to be fair. Yeah, but that's the problem. When you're taking 10,000, you've got one or two that might not be, you know, Cholton, per se. And also, it's it, on a different note, on a transfer note, it sounds like Cholton may have made their first signing last night. So but we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, we're going to talk some transfers in a little bit. So, apart from the journey back and the time, why didn't the journey you back, stay? Well, Could you not get a hotel up there? We, so we did, but the friend that was driving us worked in a school, so he had to get home. Right. So you um, just and obviously trains were too expensive to it was like a hundred pounds to come home tomorrow today. Right. Um, obviously after Christmas and stuff, I just couldn't afford it. So we decided we'll go home. Um so we went home at about we left our traffic about eleven, we got home at five because there was a accident on the M twenty five at half three in the morning, which is impressive. There's no bugger on the road, so how you mentioned lovely. That. I don't know. But we did get a speech about a philosophy degree at three o'clock this morning, which was who? One of my friends was, I think he was trying to keep everyone awake. Right. Started talking about his philosophy degree. And <laughs> I, I, I put everyone I, to sleep instead. I was just sitting there going, mm. yeah. Although we had this debate about, it's football related, about what, what's your favourite football stadium? Because we were saying that Old Trafford, the atmosphere around Old Trafford, it's really bizarre. Because you know the history of the place, but you don't feel it. When you go to like Anfield, as soon as you see Anfield, you feel it. It's, that, right. it's weird to explain, or Wembley. Man United feels dead. The area just feels dead. I think right. it's the corporate side and all that. It just doesn't feel... It feels like it's... Oh, it's a football stadium. That's it. Yeah. And it's rusty. <laughs> it needs yeah. to be re-looked at. But um, yeah, we're, so we're having a discussion about over like best football grounds, worst football grounds. And I said, what's your favourite football ground you've been to? And been like, this is impressive. And it turned into a half hour rant about whether if you go to a football ground and say it's impressive, you can say that without fans being in it or not. Right. And then the argument, so I said, I'm just talking about the visual. You walk to Wembley, you see the arch, you go, oh, wow, that's cool. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah. My friend, Rob, he said, that that doesn't count. That's a bit like going up to a woman, seeing a silhouette and saying you'd shag it. <laughs> oh, no. And this was about half midnight and we're in a car somewhere outside Manchester. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> this oh, all, dear, ha- this oh, dear. all came because one of because I went, I don't think that stadium's that good. <laughs> well, to it be just honest, feels weird. It's very, very old. Now, but just even like out the outside, it just don't feel like you're going to a football game. It just feels like you're on a tour somewhere. Right, it's just a bizarre feeling. I just don't, and obviously, I I, I would say like Man United's fans were quiet, but it's a cut game against a League One side, so I'm not going to judge their atmosphere off that. But hmm. it it was very, it's just bizarre. I, I don't know. I think the thing is, is also is. There's a lot of touristy type fans also, when yeah. it comes to Manchester United and a lot of other clubs. So while there is a large section of home support that's from that area, well, in and around Manchester, 
a lot of people go there because they're essentially tourists. So they go for the experience of watching Man United. So they're not going to create the same noise that a Liverpool have, for example, which is a slightly mm. smaller ground filled with a lot of local people. So I would say the one thing that made me laugh probably more than I should have. We were, we got to the services at Nuxford, which if anyone's watched any Rod Gilbert, it's a very famous service station. And um, the amount of United fans <laughs> that were in this services, and we were like, oh, they're going home too. Yeah. <laughs> See you in London. Oh, dear. But well worth the trip. Oh, yeah, I mean, just, just to say that you've been there. Like, you, I mean, I've been to I've been to you know, El Trafford before, but never towards Cholton, so at least I can say I've seen Cholton there. I was going to say, and by all accounts, Charlton did not discredit themselves in any way at all. It was no, sheer, our best. sheer changes in the last 15 minutes that made the scoreline look a lot more impressive than it was. Yeah, we, we went for it and, it and it backfired, but I don't blame them for it. Well, no, to be fair, there's a lot of sides from the lower divisions that have given people a really good game for a while. And then they've fallen in the last... 20 minutes or something. I was watching Oxford Arsenal the other day and I said that That's Oxford were giving them a run for their money. And then in the second half, the the quality just shines through. The fitness levels are obviously higher. That's not a discredit to anyone. Oxford or no, Colton, it's but it's just what you've got to work with, the way you're trained, the the science that you have behind it. There's more money equals better performance, essentially. But I think Charlton can be truly proud for themselves. And from what I've seen and heard recently, that's three decent performances and two good results for Charlton in, in the last three games. So you, the new manager bounce seems to have worked. You just pray that it maintains itself once the, the novelty wears off. Yeah, we've got some games against some good sides now. I think we've got Peterborough, Barnsley and... Ipswich all coming. So they're like all top 10 sides. So it's one of those interesting things that you're in January. I think we're eight points off the playoffs, seven off relegation. It's not possible to say that we can make the playoffs. It's more than possible. We've seen sides do it before in League One. But as I'd just like us to finish positively. And then it sounds like we'll have new owners soon. The Wigan Warriors chairman, rugby chairman is... Leading a consortium from America, apparently. Yes, I've heard about this last night because I must admit, I was listening on Talksport. They enough let Thomas Sangard have it on Talksport. Good. They were not complimentary about him at all, but they did announce that apparently Charlton have entered into a period of uh, of exclusivity uh, with. They did say a name, but apparently a new company has been set up so yes. that they can take over Charlton and they're doing their due diligence at the moment. So Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's an American-based consortium, but we don't know who the actual backer is. Right. And the face of it is the man who owns Wigan Warriors rugby team. You'd think you'd invest in Wigan, but if you want to what a club in London... Well, Wigan, have, then... Wigan have got um, an owner that's in a decent place already, haven't they? So As long as they manage Charlton prudently and... Successfully, just treat, just treat us like a club. That's all we're after. Well, let's just hope that they buy the ground and the training ground. 
the valley and the training ground, so yeah. that that way Charlton can actually feel like a club. I think that's not going to happen. Having because have, of the price, having been to Charlton myself, I know that it's a fantastic community. Obviously, you work in the community side of Charlton Athletic. Um, and it's a club that deserves to be whole. And at the moment, I think that's the one feeling that I get from Charlton is it's just not whole at the moment. Yeah, I think it's, it, we're a fan base that if we feel you're giving us everything, we'll give you everything. Yeah, I think we've proved that that under like under like Bowie and under Jacko and under Powell, if you show us that you care, we'll care with you. Mm. And I, I I almost feel at times Ben Garner thought he was too. Don't want to like sound harsh because as we said before he wasn't back, but I did feel like there was times where he thought he thought he was too good a bit of a complex. Yeah, and I think where yeah. Dean Holden come in and just kind of said like Dean Holden's been very open and honest, which is all you can ask for really. Where Ben Garner tried to play the the card of like corporate and then changed his mind and went to the extreme where he slagged everyone off. Dean Holden's yeah. kind of just came in and said, look, just you know. If I can promise you the boys will run through brick walls for you, all we ask mm. is that you back them. And last night the boys ran through brick walls, so we backed them. And like uh, I said, I think the key all you can thing ask is, for. Like I said earlier, the key thing is is I think you're playing a football, a style of football that you're capable of playing, as opposed mm. to a style that, no disrespect, I, there's some Charlton players that I actually like, but they're just not capable of playing the style that Ben Garner wanted. No. And We're, I think. And, no that's, position. That's the problem. Yeah, but I also think that that speaks badly on Ben Garner because he showed his inability to change and work with what he had. And uh, the sign of any good manager is is adaptability. So I think, yeah. But even Dean Holden did that in his first game because he played five at the back in his first game, and then changed it. We played a bit dodgy at Oxford. Changed it to a four-two-three-one, and as you said, we've had three. I'm even going to count Man United as a good positive result, just because of the way that we played. We've it should have been one-nil. Let's be honest. Results, yeah, like it's a one-nil game. It should have been one-nil. Let, let's be honest. It was only Marcus Rashford being on fire, really. Well, yeah, <laughs> Casemiro. I mean, Casemiro. He couldn't miss. Casemiro's pass was filth. He should be arrested for that. Mm. I was going to say, I saw his second, uh, his first, Marcus Rashford's first goal, the second goal. His finish. Second goal. Second goal, he's offside. He's miles he? offside. I was going to say, yeah. I've seen it, and I think he's just onside, literally just. I think there is some. I can't remember who it is that's in the picture, but there is somebody who is offside, but it's not Rashford. But the first. Oh, okay. Maybe I've seen the wrong picture. Rashford's first goal. Yeah, was, that's the one from Casemiro. Uh, an excellent finish because there was, I think there was like two defenders on the floor. The goalkeeper yeah. was in front of him and he still managed to squeeze it home. Your goalkeeper, by the way, made some fantastic really? saves. He's very some good. Some real top-class saves. And he's not even your first-choice goalkeeper. I think he might be now. <laughs> I think he's got his chance. So we sent him on loan at the beginning of the year to Gillingham and he broke his shoulder. Ooh. I think he played like one game for them, came back, got fit. Luckily, came back, got fit as Wallacott got injured. Um Take his, take his chance and I think he's 22 but I was listening to a podcast with Rob Elliott the former Charlton keeper Newcastle keeper people might know he trained with us at the beginning of last season mm. to get fit before he because now because obviously he lives up in Newcastle but he came down to us to see his parents and mm. got fit and trained with us a while because he now plays for Gateshead in the conference 
Oh, wow. Is he still playing? Okay, he must be. Yeah, well, just because he lives up there. So, no, he's about 35. Um, so he said, this is in a, a Ben Foster's podcast. This was last yeah. year. So before, before Maynard Brewer was even near our first team, he was out on loan in Scotland. He said, there's a kid at Cholton. He said, I'm telling you right now, he'll play in the Premier League one day. He said, he's so good. Rob Bennett was saying like, I've seen keepers in the Premier League that have less instincts than him that I've trained with on daily basis. He said, I spent three months with Maynard Brewer and he said, he's going to be sensational. And all the Cholton fans thought, but well, he's a kid, so we won't put pressure on him. He's 22. But we've seen, last night, he was fantastic. None of the goals are his fault. Uh, I, th- I think we, we've talked openly on this podcast previously with, that Charlton have got some good young players in Miles Leeburn, Deji Eluere, obviously, we're big fans of having seen yeah, him. Lucas Ness. We've got team, again, we and, seem to be going um, through that another generation. Lucas and your Ness goalkeeper broke seems, in. Your goalkeeper seems to be another one. So uh, if Charlton can keep those three or four players together and build a side around them with some experience, then new owners, hopefully better times ahead there. for Charlton. There's a team there to be built. I think six of the team that played yesterday are Charlton Academy players, which is also fantastic. News came through yesterday that Gareth Bale has uh, decided to call it a day and retire from the wonderful game of football. A lot of pundits. He's German now, apparently. A lot of uh, pundits giving praise, and there's this rule. Well, there's this saying going around that he's the best British player ever. What do you reckon, Dan? I mean, his stats are pretty impressive. Um, He did very well for Real Madrid, very well for Tottenham, Los Angeles. We're not really talk about because that was just to get him fit for Wales. He's Wales' most capped player, top goal scorer. He's Who's one... second, by the way? Oh, Chris Gunter. Yeah, we had this conversation the other day. Um, he's played 664 matches, scoring 226 goals. Should he have scored a few more goals, perhaps? He scored some stunning goals, but should he have scored a few more, given his talent? See, I'd say no, because I think people forget that he spent his time at Southampton and the beginning at Spurs as a left-back. And only really was moved to the winger in those last two seasons at Spurs. Yeah, it was Played done by... So um... I think his goal difference is... It's done by Harry Redknapp, wasn't it? Yes. So I, I, mean, I sit in this weird boat with Gareth Bale. I think he was underrated by his time in Madrid. Right. I he was underrated. The... Yes, I feel like he didn't get the respect he should have at Madrid. He's got, uh, what, four Champions Leagues, I think? Yeah, one of them don't really count. He didn't do anything. But the other three, he <laughs> played a good part in. One, he just sat there for. At least the other three, he joined in with. But I think he's a very talented player. I'd like to have seen him. If he could stay consistently fit, we could be having a chat about being the best British player. But I don't, I'm not even sure he's the best Welshman. No, who would you say the best Welshman was? John Robinson. No, <laughs> no I, mean, <laughs> I think I think it's Ryan Giggs. I do think it's, as I said, I think if Bale could have stayed fit and maybe a bit more longevity in terms of playing at his peak, which isn't his fault, he's played left back and stuff. But yeah, Gareth Bale is a sensational player. I will never turn out. I mean, he's literally the reason Wales have qualified to, is it three major tournaments now? Two Euros and a World Cup? Yeah, I think so. Um, and obviously, I know at the World, listen, the World Cup, he clearly wasn't fit. Whether that's natural and he's just his body's given up or if he was injured 
he just he, he you know we could all see that he just wasn't ready. Uh, was he wasn't say, there with that World Cup. I think I think his his body has been telling him for about two years now that he needs to call it a day. I think he's been trying to milk it as much as possible. In other bizarre news coming out of football, Roberto Martinez has left his job yes. at Belgium following the end of his contract. Yeah. He got sacked. Well, yeah, uh-huh. his contract ran out. But... And um, he's got the Portugal job. So he's got a job full of really talented players that he had for six years. So I think, if I remember rightly, that's two World Cups and one Euros, Yeah, if I'm right. He did yeah. absolutely nothing with them, let's be honest. I don't think he changed his formation once. And somehow he's gone and got a job with what I would argue is an even more talented squad than Belgium. How has he done that? He talks a good game and he plays nice football. Does he? He Does plays he play nice, nice football. football. Yeah, he plays very nice football, which doesn't get him anywhere. But he, it, it's good on the eye to watch. That's why. Well, that's great. But if you don't job. win anything with it, then well, no, I, I'm completely agree. But that's the how managers, how many Pep Guardiola clones can we get without it being Pep? You can get a BTEC Pep Guardiola, but you're going to get BTEC results from him. Mm. I'm not being funny. In the nicest way possible. The only time people say Roberto Martinez was a good manager was at Wigan when they won the FA Cup. People forget they got relegated. Yes. <laughs> like, and then he went to Everton and, and he wasn't... Didn't do anything at Everton. Like, he didn't blow Everton a light, did he? No. Um, and then was after that he went straight to Belgium? Yes, I think so. And then, and then he had probably the best Belgian team they've ever seen. I know they obviously got to the semi-final of the World Cup in Russia. But they weren't that good in the Euros and they stunk at this World Cup. Yes, absolutely. And yet somehow they managed to finish first in the rankings for several years. Uh, ask Pete. Well, yeah, we, we, if he ever comes back, we'll uh, we'll talk to him about the world rankings and you can all watch him explode live on camera. Um, <laughs> you said, we'll, we'll move on to transfers now before we end the show. You said that Charlton are rumoured to be making their first potential signing who and when and why uh, so we're signing Teo Eden who is a left wing back from Blackburn he was from the Fulham's academy was at Lincoln for a few years after being released to Lincoln obviously playing our league went to Blackburn at the, I believe the beginning of last season was in and out of their team hasn't been playing much this year uh, we need a left back because we haven't had one since the end of last season brilliant squad building we have 15 central midfielders, though. But, yeah, uh, so that's um, what we need. That's one one step in the right direction. Someone, a uh, left footer, who can actually use... Play a bit of width on the left side would be nice. So it was, it's definitely a needed position. Hopefully next is a striker. There's rumours that Jane Stockley's about to join Gillingham, so... No, <laughs> you give all your shit to Gillingham. <laughs> we do, we just hand them off. They go to Gillingham or Wimbledon and then we crack on. In Manchester United news, Manchester United have followed up the signing of the legendary Jack Butland by <laughs> looking at Wout Weghorst. Now, I'm not against Because of this one transfer. goal at a World Cup. I'm not against this transfer. If you look at his stats, he is actually a one-in-two goalkeeper. A goalkeeper? One-in-two striker. Bar his um, uh, spell at Burnley. Sorry I'm not happy that. with this transfer. No, I think it's a decent no, backup option. I think he's cack. I don't think... I, I, people are talking about this like it's some major signing. I'm a bit confused because 
It's not. It's about Vekos. He's a decent signing. He's a Dutch international. But he's not going to be starting. He's, he's a bench option. This transfer doesn't happen if he doesn't score against Argentina. I'm telling you right now. You you could probably very well be right, but I think he's got. I think he's got. Was it eight in sixteen for Besiktas this, this season? Besiktas. Turkey. Besiktas. Besiktas. Sorry. I I'd argue it's a decent option for a short term. Premier run. League reject FC. Deli Ali, Nathan Redmond, Wolfganghurst. <laughs> quick quick note on Deli Ali. Actually, Besiktas have asked to uh, terminate the trans- the the loan deal, and Everton, have Everton said, said no. no. <laughs> that proves how good. Uh, Get is. Another one that's come through is Jao Felix going to potentially Chelsea for up to £11 million loan fee. Um, Jao Felix, do you think that's what Chelsea need? Another silky player? No. I think Chelsea needs someone to grab, grab them by the balls, frankly. I think what Chelsea genuinely need is a striker. Not like a... Not a again, forward. everyone wants to... Everyone wants to do a Man City from a few years ago and have like the the striker, the the, the face, the false nine, etc. Chelsea needs someone who's just going to put the ball in the net. Aubameyang, Havertz, and and Jao Felix, none of them scream striker to me. So I, I just I don't know. I think we spoke about it before. They need to rebuild. So they've got an aging squad. But then yes. also, oh by the way, Jao Felix has just been confirmed as we speak. Oh well, look at that. Chelsea have literally just tweeted that they've signed him. So yeah, I I I'm not sure. I'm sure he'll look flashy for them and fine, but I'm not convinced. I think they need have they have more problems. Yes, uh, they seem to be spending money, as we talked about on our previous show. I saw some stats, and uh, it looks like they've spent close to about four hundred million since Todd Bowley took over at Chelsea. It does seem to be taking the uh, the Brighton method of young talent that they can build up and maybe get an investment back on while trying to be successful at the same time. Be interesting to see how that one plays out. They've also been linked with another player, a championship manager, hot prospect, or football manager is it is now hot prospect in Pedro Porro at Sport Pedro. Lisbon. Oh they linked with him as well. I know I know it's, Tottenham were looks like they're trying to sneak in on the deal um and 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 steal him basically. But again, it's another young talent, high potential that they're, they're looking to sign. It'll be interesting to see who he goes. Obviously, a former Manchester City youth player. He's been bounced Until around last a year. bit. Yeah, I think he was on loan at Sporting Lisbon for a year, wasn't he? And then they signed him permanent. Yeah, and they turned him permanent early in the last year. And um, who was the other one I wanted to talk about? From our last show, you were talking about uh, Chelsea had signed someone else as we were talking. It was Andre Santos. Another FM wonder, wonder kid. kid. So it does if seem next like... Next they sign Andre Schoolerup, I'm going to be... Is this, is this the, the, the young winger that I sent over to you that you knew about? Yes. yes I think yes. we'll have to bring back the uh, the scout report for FM23. Yeah, because we've got FM23 now. I found a yeah. few. I found a few. Definitely. I'll load up my Tottenham save. We'll have to bring that back in and uh, see yes. how that does. Especially now we're... In a visual format, we can actually post them up and have a proper look. So once again, a quick shout out to our associates at Let Us Talk Mental Health. Any games coming up, Dan? Not that wire off. Dear, see, this is the level of assistant manager you get. And The next game I'm generally aware of is in October. Yeah, I think Let Us Talk need a new assistant manager, ladies and gentlemen. This is just 
This is just subpar. This is Ralph Ranick levels of management. I go off what I'm told. And then what I've been told is about the next game is a cup game in October. I'm sure we'll play since before then. But. And also, best of luck to our man behind the scenes, Jamie Leggett, who is getting married in... Is it this weekend? No, it's February. The f- is it February? Something. But yeah, he's got a few weeks before he, uh, before he gets married. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we're working on having him on the show pretty soon. Until next time, say goodbye, Dan. Goodbye, Dan. See you later.